A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, Question Everything listeners, big news. We are going live. That's right. Come and attend the live recording of Question Everything with some special guests at the Up the Creek Comedy Club on March the 5th. Check our Twitter for information on how to book tickets. See you there and bring some big questions. And remember, students are free. Hello everybody, welcome to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast where myself, comedian and writer Dane Baptiste, my producer friend Howard Cohen, aka The Hizzer. Hello! And Ofe on the decks, who is unfortunately not with us today, uh, due to some technical issues, but shout out Ofe. Pose the questions that need to be asked, and we're talking everything from nihilism to fatalism to the whimsical to the serious to the tragic to the hilarious. To what would Marvin Gaye be like? If he was still around, I was thinking of listening to him today, going, God, what would, what would be going I on? I hope with- he'd be pretty vocal about trans issues. Uh, you know, yeah, fine, yeah. I say that because he uh, added he added the e onto the end of his name, yeah. so it was it's spelled gay normally. But there was obviously the connotations that came with that, and also the fact that his father was a crossdresser who was struggling with his own sexual identity. And hence, said, why the problems? Hence, why the problems? See, and those was, are the questions that we ask. Yeah, and these are the kind of questions we ask. Um, so you don't have to, but you're welcome to ask as well. <clears throat> On today's show, our guest is an acclaimed spoken word poet, hip hop recording artist, and actor. He first shot to prominence with Dan Lesac. And their debut single, Thou Should Always Kill. He manages his own record label, Speech Development Records, from which he has released two highly respected albums. He was a host of the Beatdown Radio Show on XFM and now hosts a much heralded podcast, Distraction Pieces, which is part of the Distraction Pieces Podcast Network. And finally, in 2017, he showed his acting skills in the BBC and HBO drama series Taboo alongside Tom Hardy. It's a remarkable Scroobius Pip. Hello. Hello. Yeah. I feel like we, we said finally, but this is like not us well, trying to like... I was trying to cover... Yeah, it's not going to be We're not containing your career yeah. at all, yeah. We know it's very dynamic and there's a lot more accolades. Oh, that, look at those mix of things. That's like remarkable, it's, man. It's the beauty of the world we live in now, though, right? That you yeah. can kind of go, right, here's the things... I want to do. There's a rapper in America called Gene Gray, who I'm a big fan of, and and we talk a lot about in or when I had her on the podcast. It was the first half hour is just both of us gushing over each other because it's that that ability to go right. Here's what I'm known for, but the way I always describe it is it depends at what point you got on the train because yeah. before I I blew up doing spoken word and rap, mm-hmm. I'd I'd been trying to make short films with my mates and I'd been doing graffiti and I'd been doing yeah, right. all these other things so. It's that it should be that constant. It should, journey, I mean, it right? should it should it should really be, and I guess it's uh, that whole kind of Bruce Lee ethos of like being opposed to crystallizing different aspects yeah. of your creativity. Because yeah. I've been guilty of that myself, where I was like, I just want to try and get stand up comedy down first, and my friend would be like, Yeah, but why don't you make a film? And I'd be like, Oh no, no, like I need the equipment and blah blah blah. And then you know, I was able to make the the uh, progression into you know, well performing a performing stand up on television and yeah. then mm. writing sketches and then writing a sitcom and. Yeah, it's, it's it's good that you have the uh, the ability now to uh, liaise with other creatives and yeah. uh, kind of ease your transition into like different things. Those credits, it's, I was like, try, I was, I was, I've got to try and condense it down as well. <laughs> like, it's important to say there's more than just your albums on your record yeah, label yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah, of course. But it's, it's it's kind of it's something I kind of I nailed my flag too early, so it kind of put the pressure on me to have that variation because the name Scroobius Pip is from an Edward Lear poem that's about this creature that wakes up in the jungle and it doesn't know what it is and it goes with the fish for a bit then realises oh the fish are cool but I'm not a fish it goes with the lions and realises oh the lions are dope but I'm, I'm not hmm. a lion and then in the end it decides it is a Scroobius Pip it can be all these things <laughs> but it's its own creature mm. and that was kind of at the point I took the name on I was I said I was doing street art I wanted I was doing f- photography as my job um, I was trying to make films, I was rapping, I'd started to do sp- spoken word and it was like, I had that exact same conversation with myself, like, so what am I going to focus on? Yeah. And then, yeah, I had that kind of moment of, well, why am I focusing on one? Yeah, yeah. Let's just do everything you can, do dope shit, essentially, mm. is, is the outlook and, yeah, exactly. and see what... But what, I'd say that's easier focus. to achieve and in both of your cases, yeah. if you've begun to feel like you're starting to master one and obviously you can both Completely. stand up and yeah yeah but then at the same time i think for me speaking personally the mastery comes from the fact that like i concede that uh my contribution to art is a is a small part of everyone's and it's also you're like a brick in the wall mm. yeah. and also it's kind of like i feel uh n- the more i learn the more i don't know and the more i actually embrace that because obviously it means that my journey is continuing to be dynamic as is the art form 
Mm. So there's more I can learn about myself in it every day. So yeah, I've been lucky that everything I've got to do, it's stuff that I'm a massive fan of. And yeah, it's yeah. been a point where I'm doing music and suddenly I, like I had the reason I got in, into acting at this stage in my career was I had people like Riz Ahmed and Simon Pegg and people who I'd met through my music yeah, all going, yeah. all you talk about is film and TV. It's like, why don't you either write or act or do, mm. or do these things? Yeah. It's like, right, it's beautiful to go, yeah, I could make the things that, the things that I feel I'm potentially, I'll beat myself up over, I'm wasting my time on, I can turn that into work. Exactly. So, so if I now watch 10 TV shows and, and 20 films in a month, it's all been research. Yeah. It's all been work. <laughs> yeah, I've not no, been, no, I've it, not it, been it, wasting my time. It, it it's is, all inspiration because I've got right. Yeah, it's, and I think it's, a great, it's a great, that's a great, it's a great approach to it because it's a, I guess it's the uh, romantic disposition we all have where like to the laity you're a dreamer or you're a daydreamer. Yeah. Like so yeah, you, yeah. On, on reflection, you can say that it is, it is all uh, uh, been researched and it all has been, yeah. uh, you know, kind of shaping and molding your influences and or, and allowing you to then recreate stuff, which is kind of an homage to what you've been influenced by anyway. Um, I, I guess we should do a question, Dane. We should do a question. Otherwise the format just collapses. <laughs> That's uh, true. Well, so uh, as traditional... <laughs> Uh, it's the guest. Am I first? You yeah. do. It's an honour. Really. Yeah, yeah. we, we bestow that honour upon as, the guest. As our esteemed guests. I love it. I love it. Well, I was torn like between going for something kind of frivolous, like pizza toppings or other things, because I'm passionate about things like pizza and ice cream. Stuff I'm very like happy that. to we yeah. love pizza yeah. here. But I decided to go completely the other way and ask a question that I ponder a lot, and it's do we as a society put too much weight on the pursuit of happiness? Mm. Um, and my my kind of belief there is, and any time I talk about this, people think I'm saying that happiness isn't good. It's great. Yeah. It's happiness, but it's not the only emotion. And there's there's so many other emotions. And I think there's a a kind of way of looking at things in society that if you're not at that happiness point, that you're in some way failing. Mm-hmm. Or again, I think we need to experience a multitude of emotions to learn and develop. Mm-hmm. And if you're always chasing happiness, you're not going to be taking in all the lessons that you could be learning from all the other things that are going on in your life. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of my... Wow, I was just going to say heavier. Pepper, I was going to say pepperoni, basically. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> just straight pepper. Just to quickly put that to one side. Just that's all I ever need. Yeah, like yeah. But happiness, Jesus, that's a tough one, right? I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not. I don't say profess to have that high emotional intelligence, but um, I, I, I definitely see validity in your point because obviously happiness, so far as our understanding of it, uh as an emotion is uh i guess kind of would exist along a uh by uh like a uh binary paradigm because yeah. obviously there's sadness yeah yeah, 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 yeah. but that's the thing is that you can't really uh appreciate the existence of happiness without experiencing the sadness anyway yeah so that's the problem so yeah like, like i said it's like there's not uh anything wrong with our pursuit of happiness but like i said it requires you know the uh other aspects of the emotional spectrum in order for you to really observe it 100 uh, yeah. percent so for example like uh because i mean because happiness as itself i mean to me that's a is it is it quite i mean you kind of re- even you're kind of reducing the whole thing anyway because happiness as, a, as, a, as an emotion could be in a component of a number of things completely so, so for example because i think for me so for example if if i have something very nice to eat that can make me happy. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. if my friends can't afford the same food, or we're sitting at the same table and they're hungry, then I can never fully enjoy this yeah. because someone else is starving. Or, yeah. or if you're like, I had a shit day, and you're eating that pizza, that pepperoni pizza, to make yeah. yourself feel better, and then you get to the end of it, you're like, I can't believe I ate all that fucking <laughs> pizza. I'm yeah. horrible, and it can make you feel a completely different way. Yeah, it's the balance. It's the balance yeah. of all of it because the way we have social media now as well, it sets a. a, a a paradigm of of what happiness is and what mm. you have to achieve so pizza may have been something that made you happy mm. but now you eat it and have that burst of happiness but then you're like oh man i'm i've i've blown all the week's exercise and i should mm. be eating healthy and i should be yeah. getting to this version of happiness and yeah it's i, I think I, it's I find it fascinating one. because because i i reckon i think everyone can talk about this in their own personal way there's definitely no one rule yeah but there's probably interconnected things for all people but for me my best level of happiness has been achieved in my life by realizing it's okay when I'm fucking miserable for no apparent reason. Yeah. Like I can yeah. almost feel, I kind of describe it to my wife, tolerant woman yeah. who accepts that like the sands of my hourglass, like suddenly turn the other way <laughs> and drip 
and it will drip for as long as it takes to to, to get that sadness out yeah. of me. I don't know quite why it will be yeah, there. Yeah. And some nights I know it so clearly because I'll come home and the first thing that I can think about is I can't wait to be in bed and <laughs> yeah. not do anything for like the rest of this evening. Yeah. Well, but then I, and then it's interesting in regard to comedy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I it's one of the most remarkable things to see or witness or experience to being funny on stage and then coming off and being fucking miserable yeah, uh, because it's over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's over. And that's the thing again, this is what we're talking about happiness because I mean, some aspects of happiness are esoteric and they can come from, you know, the well-being of, you know, being appreciated for something or, you know, having an intimate connection with somebody. But at the same time, we also know that, well, I guess what we describe as happiness can be something that's uh, exoteric as well, or out, comes from outside where it can be either, you know, the excitotoxins of eating a McDonald's meal, or yeah. it can be even like, you know, taking a great, a, a, a nice drug or smoking a spliff. So, yeah. mm. so many, so in terms of what constitutes happiness, there's so many other things about, for me, like it's basically what you're saying, based on what you're saying. Yeah. I, th- I feel like empathy plays a big part to me so far as happiness is yeah. because again emotions where human beings are concerned as a social species uh is 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 also a function of uh projection and reflection and that like you only know what happiness is because someone kind of teaches you what it looks like yeah so you yeah, see completely. other people smile so you're like oh that person looks happy i'm i'm in an environment where people are happy which means i'm more in uh i guess i'm more encouraged to be happy as well because i'm in you know in the presence of other people that feel happy or mm. certain situation but by the same token it's like you know, some people may derive their happiness or feel that they derive happiness from other people suffering or from schadenfreude. So it's, you know. It's interesting on on the kind of, on the environment thing, because if you're at home on your own, you could be doing something that makes you really happy, but you might not smile all day. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Whereas if you're in public and you're doing something that makes you happy, there's this urge to kind of show that yeah. I'm happy. This 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 is my visual signal that I'm, it, it, I'm That happy. is such an interesting thing that I, I noticed the other day because I, I went to the shops uh, and and I was in like a shopping centre and I, I was, I just split up with my, my wife for an hour, just yeah. for an hour. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> as you do, as you do, cause I can't, you know, she's got her own. She's a very tolerant woman. She's very tolerant. Know. She's got her own agenda. Yeah. And I just, I'm going to, and, and for that hour, I looked at the other people cause I'm not, I don't really buy anything. Dane knows one of the reasons I'm happy is cause I have no desire for any material possessions yeah. really. And, uh, and I, I was walking along looking at some people on their own looking sad. And I thought, oh, fuck, I remember what that was like. You know, yeah. like on a Saturday afternoon, if you're if you if you feel like you need a partner in your life, not having that. Yeah. Uh, is something that I definitely think creates happiness. But but then naturally, I think the longer you have a relationship for, the more you take that for granted. And therefore your happiness kind of plateaus. Yeah. I mean, if there's any relationship yeah yeah completely doesn't plateau in some way 100% it's kind of fascinating because it's all, like you're, the point to me what you resonate yeah. to me is that you can't have one without the other yeah. really yeah. I mean it's 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 the same with touring and stuff like that as, as yeah. well though, right when that's your job of course being on stage and a, having a successful gig makes you really happy but I remember when I was touring a years back and the girl I seen at the time after every gig I'd be like oh, oh, how was it tonight and it's like it's cool. It yeah. was work. It was good. You know, on that tour, it was, it was lucky that it was kind of all sold out dates. They were all going to be really good, but it, anything like that, it still becomes a job. Mm. So you have that plateau yeah. of contentness and happiness of what it is. So it's a really hard one, but that's hard to to get across to people who aren't in that situation course, that you yeah. are like, I'm not being ungrateful, but I can't tell you about every gig because it's just, that's work now. It's just, mm, it, it, yeah. it was nice. It's the, it's the we, how often do I bring up the hedonic treadmill on this podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's that theory that you will always be seeking the bigger, and yeah. bigger uh, and better Ma- thing. Maslow's hierarchy of needs mm. is the other one, the, the business model. So there's two business models so far as happiness, because obviously people study psychology in business so they can make you buy stuff you don't need. But like two of the theories, mm. one's Moore's law mm-hmm. based on marketing, where if you receive a sound, for example, at the same pitch and the same frequency for long enough, then you become desensitized to it and you no longer notice it. Yeah. So if you're in a state whereby, you know, to an average person, it'd be a state of happiness, whether it's like, you know, financial comfort and, uh, you know, access to most of your physiological or social needs being taken care of, then you become, you begin to become numb to these things. So you're like, eh. So, so far as like with this hierarchy of needs is that with most people, once they transcend, you know, their physiological needs and the need for association, then as you move up, or then you start thinking about what the top of the pyramid is like self-actualization and how, you know, mm. your existence uh, is relevant to the rest of the world and what, what is your uh, connection with other people. So if you look at like celebrities, for example, 
uh, historically, I'd say, more than now. Like the idea of being a Hollywood star was that most of your physiological needs were taken care of. And really yeah. you have a life that most people pray for. Yeah. So then Abrahamic religion is a very hard idea to pitch to you in order for you to realize happiness. Yeah. Which yeah. is why, you know, a lot of, you find a lot of uh, celebrities may join other kind of cults and obviously outside of your normal uh, mainstream religions because, you know, what most people pray for, they already have. Yeah. Whereas mm. adulation by fans and like immense wealth and respect. So it's a... Uh, Which then sends most of them insane. Yeah, but then, but then <laughs> maybe maybe that comes from the fact that because it's been a focus on happiness so That's much it. and these are the indicators of happiness are like wealth and prestige, then you realise actually... It's, yeah. it's quite hollow. It's what you're told is happiness. Yeah, it's what you're told oh, is happiness. It's, uh, so it's a function of suggestion, exactly, yeah. Billy Bragg once uh, uh, said to me that one of the toughest things he's seen is when people he knows in music industry or whatever, get everything that they wanted mm-hmm. and then aren't happy. He said he was was lucky that he wanted to do music. He did it. It's amazing and it made him happy. Yeah. But for a lot of people, you're told, here's what you need to be happy. It's this big tour. It's yeah. this big album. It's this and that. And then you get it and you still don't have that happiness. That's when it gets dark because you haven't got, you don't know what you should be looking at next. Yeah. It's like, all right, I did all of the stuff that society has told me I should be doing. Um, and that's it, I guess. I guess that's kind of the the point of it is it's the it's the getting across and being aware that happiness is a really important part of life but yeah. it's not the, the the only part of life i had a period a good few years ago now that i was really i was really down mm. but some horrible stuff had happened mm. so it was an appropriate reaction it yeah. didn't mean i was broken it didn't mean i was failing because i'm not finding my happiness some bad stuff had happened yeah i it was logical to be sad for a bit and then find happiness at a later date but mm. we put such a pressure on you need to be happy i think it cheer does up, mate. contribute cheer up mate exactly exactly might never happen fucks me <laughs> off more than when <laughs> someone <laughs> tells you to cheer up yeah, might, exactly. might never or even people with the the, the the best world just trying to find the positivity for yeah. you the fact is you might need to be down for a bit and it's a tough one but it's again it's that belief that mm. if you're not happy oh we need to fix you quickly yeah. hopefully if we we've built people to be emotionally st- stable enough mm. we can survive a period of unhappiness a period of of of, of just numbness or whatever it may be yeah. and then get back to that and yeah i mean already find out exactly what happiness is because like i said a lot a lot of it and what people con- what constitutes happiness to people is a function of suggestion yeah. to the point whereby when you have certain indicators of happiness they're only validated if people say it yeah so you know what i mean oh you so people you're doing well you should be happy for yourself it's like well why should somebody tell you because like i said it's it's people might expect to be happy and there's this need they need to pull you from that. And, and again, I think that's because of the fact that as we are a social species and a reflective one, that we, a part of our happiness comes from the fact that we, again, we're surrounded by happiness. So as I was saying before, like you can have an ugly, happy life, but then people are very reluctant to like listen to a homeless person on a train yeah. or drug on the, on the train, because I feel like, you know, having to confront that human misery reflects on ourselves yeah yeah so yeah, yeah. i so yeah based on that it's like it's very hard i think as a social species and a collective consciousness to be happy if unless it's like ubiquitous and unless yeah does yeah that make sense? yeah yeah com- completely and also i said it's finding specifically what is your happiness rather than yeah. again what we're told is is happiness because exactly. for years now on new year's eve i stay at home on my own I have a bit of a kind of, I look over the year and reflect, because in general I don't do that, I just work and work. I look over the year, I watch a film or two, Mm. I have a steak, and I love it. (laughs) This is a beautiful image. I love it, I love it. I I stayed at home this New Year's Eve, I had a lovely time. And that was the thing, I realised that the pressure was, it's New Year's Eve, therefore you should be doing this, but being in a busy club or pub isn't what makes me happy. So if this is really the big night of the year... I should celebrate that by doing what I enjoy, not yeah, what exactly. society has told me you should be enjoying. I think there's you should release a song at yeah. anti New Year's Eve song because it is bullshit. Of, but that's it. it but, uh, but I love New Year's Eve. Yeah. But I love it because I do what I yeah. want to do rather mm. than what, again, a tons of my mates in their head, oh, he hates New Year's Eve. He stays in, he stays. And no, it's like, no, I realise that the, Again, it's a societal thing, I guess. The pressure is to make it your best night of the year. Mm. For me to do that, I need to not be in a sweaty, overpriced club. With, yeah. with I mean, a, 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 a friend of mine who's worked in clubs for years kind of said, "New Year's Eve is the is the night out for people who aren't don't normally have nights out." 
That's why yeah. it goes wrong. It gets messy. Yeah. People get drunker than they should because mm. they're not used to actually yeah. maintaining and, and, yeah. and, and doing it at an appropriate level. But yeah. Because they've got to stay weird. out till midnight at least. Yeah. They do. like they feel like It's like time's going to run out. Yeah. It's, a, it's yeah. a really weird thing that people do. I well, mean, I, I think it's such a fascinating thing, happiness, because ultimately uh, it is unattainable 100% of the time. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's like when you... Yeah. Two two things that come to my mind. One is the the honeymoon that I regularly refer to Dane about, <laughs> which is the happiest time of my life. Yeah. And yet, as we drew towards the end of it, I couldn't help but think to myself, "Oh fuck, I'm losing the happiest time yeah. I'll ever have, man!" It's like, done now. That was gutting. Like, and a guy came back from honeymoon at work today. I was like, "Did you enjoy yourself?" And he's like, "Yeah, it was amazing." I was like, "Well, it's all downhill from here." Yeah. In some ways, it, you could view life that way. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. But it, and that's it's, and it's because it's a temporary state. Mm. Like we can pursue happiness and I guess we need to do it with the caveat that it's a temporary state. Yeah. So it's more of a question of, yeah, encouraging people to uh, observe all of the uh, mm. aspects of life or the emotional spectrum. We expect them all to be all, part all, of yeah, the contribution. All the phenomenon that will contribute to certain parts of the emotional spectrum. So like, I guess the, the pursuit of happiness, we need to be aware that there's a lot of, there can be sadness on the way. Because otherwise the... Uh, I mean... Yeah, the, obviously the arrival at happiness. And, but there's a thing, the problem is, I guess we, because we... we uh, we, I guess, we describe happiness in a in a finite state, yeah, and 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 in a st- and, and that is static and, and crystal. That you know, once you get to happiness, mm. this is is like it's a destination, and yeah, that is a yeah. problem. Is that it's it's like happiness is actually another, I guess, facet of the journey itself. Completely, so it's not. Problem, I've yeah. got here. Oh no, I've I've gone out the wrong door. Oh yeah. <laughs> which one was the door? Exactly. The, the, the door to happiness, opening all these other doors. Yeah, yeah. But again, I mean, with my music, I had people for years, kind of see a lot of my lyrics or work as quite um, morbid or miserable because I will talk about depression and suicide and d- domestic violence, all sorts of other stuff like that. But the reason, part of the reason that fascinated me was exactly that, that you grow up and you kind of, whenever you're in a, ne- a negative period, all your focus is on getting out of it rather than looking around and going, all right, so this is what I'm learning from this, and this is what's yeah. going on here. The, the the focus is just I need to get out of this as quickly mm. as possible, and that's why I think, particularly in my early work, that's what that's what fascinated me. It was like, right, let's go, let's go back and look at why I was down in that relationship, and and things yeah. like that, and why I was down at this point in my life. Let's let's explore those feelings and see what I've learned from it, and how they maybe contributed to me as a person, in, uh, built me, built the person I am today, and yeah. And kind of respect all of that. It's fascinating stuff. It also makes me think this whole question of like, you can't have one without the other. Yeah. Uh, about <laughs> just you, d- d- being a Jew. And uh, <laughs> every time you ever go to a Jewish funeral, yeah. we have like this thing called a shiver. I don't know if you've ever been to one. No, no, no. It's like, um, I guess the wake or like, you right. know, you, you know, you all, everyone goes back to someone's house and that lasts for a week. People come or four days, a certain amount of days after the funeral, and people come over to the house. And I tell you what, every time I go to one of those things, it's one of the funniest, like I guaranteed the amount of positive energy in those rooms, yeah. in these people's homes. Because, and it, I don't know, it brings that out of people. Completely. Death brings people into this place yeah. of, yeah, of kind of wanting to share uh, some kind of joy, which well, is well, fascinating. Yeah, death is so finite itself, isn't it? So like, in a way, it's like, that person's free, so why not celebrate it? That's, really, I mean, that's the thing, you spoke about suicide and stuff like yeah. that, like, I, it was when I started doing comedy and I did experience some depression and frustration and just getting to where I wanted to be is like, uh, kind of, I, I mean, and getting my personal experience, like, I felt like suicide isn't necessarily the, uh, the one, wanting to kill some oneself. It's like, you do, it's like a connection with the rest of humanity. It's like, yeah. I just don't feel like I'm here. So then I just don't want to be here. Yeah. yeah and yeah, so yeah. there's, there's, there's just mm. an element to it that, yeah, it's like you said, it's, it's getting to, it's been in these places where you're just getting to learn, just recognizing the terrain. Yeah, and therefore you don't do stuff like when you realize you are depressed or you're. Then you, it doesn't manifest that anger that you project towards other people and stuff. That's it's like, it, it's yeah. like, I know where I am now, so completely. Yeah. And 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 again, I I, I couldn't agree more with this because another thing with death is it's the one thing that all of us have in common. So yeah. it shouldn't mm. be this taboo, dark, scary thing. A friend of mine joked the other day, you know, at a funeral I was at that that I enjoy f- funerals more than weddings. And they joked <laughs> it. And I thought, I'd, I heard Love it. That. I heard yeah. it. And I was Love like, that. I genuinely do. Because oh. yeah. there's a truth and beauty in funerals because it's yeah. real and everyone is there authentically. And weddings, yeah. I do think there's there's a weirdness with, with again... At times it could be really weird. But as a society, we've, a we've, we've made this thing up that, wedding, that, that there's a romance in weddings. Yeah. 
weddings are bringing contracts into love basically mm. it's signing a contract to say i will continue to love you it's like again not that again i, I think they they a beautiful thing commitment i'm perfectly fine with but i see see weddings that it is it's 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 writing on a bit of paper mm. for me i would much rather that me and my partner are together for as long as we both want to be together yeah, if no, in yeah. 20 years my partner isn't into me anymore i wouldn't want her to go well, we did sign that bit of paper, so I guess, you know, yeah. deal's a deal. It's like, no, yeah, I want yeah. you to be here because we're both, this is amazing, this is beautiful. So yeah. there's a weirdness in weddings that it is this, it's this celebration of romance when really it's a it's a contractual thing. It's this, it's a, it's celebrating the idea of something. Like mm. we're, we're saying we're going to be together forever. Divorce rates are huge. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'll come and celebrate, Half, I'll, I'll come and celebrate Sunday. on your, yeah. your 40th anniversary. But why <laughs> yeah. am I celebrating now? It's like me saying I'm having a party t- uh, tomorrow for uh, the big Hollywood film I plan to do in a couple of years. Because <laughs> yeah. I've really, I've decided I'm going to be a big leading star. So I'm going to celebrate that next yeah. week. Wow. So no, we'll celebrate when it actually happens. Yeah. It's weird. Truth. I mean, I don't think it's weird. There's a lot more of a truth, like I said, a lot more truth in death. Yeah, mm. yeah, as well. Yeah, and again, it should be as you said, a celebration. It's, yeah. it's what I love. A, a friend of mine, I took his life when we were all all twenty one, and it was really sad. But the, that day has become my favourite day of the year because he will always come up in conversations and it'll exactly. be warm and positive. And mm. I, m- me and a few of our mates will normally go around his mum and dad's house and we'll have a barbecue and we'll all just wow. speak warmly and richly yeah. of this person that, that we miss and love. And that, again, doesn't have to get old and grey and wrinkled or, like or, all the rest of us. Or depressed again yeah. and, and maintain, yeah, yeah, yeah. And maintain yeah, that in his head. He's, he's, he's free, man. Yeah. That's some, which is a kind of... Kinda, and it's a tough thing to to, 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 at, to say to people in the moment because, yeah, again, I sure. know that at the, that mm. time it wasn't a positive time for me at all. No. And not. it's something that I've got better and better over the years that, that when there is a death, it's kind of accepting the inevitability of it anyway mm-hmm. and celebrating the, the life and the person that we're there to remember rather than the sadness and depression of, of, of losing someone. So yeah. Amazing. What what a question that was. Here we go. Great question. Jesus Christ. I mean, like I say, pepperoni, <laughs> if you want to go back to <laughs> Dane quickly, what's your pizza? Uh, me now. Do you know what? I'm happy with a margarita. That's oh, what I'm saying. No, it's, cause, cause come it, on, not, mate. Because it's not just what you're eating; it's who you're eating it with. Sometimes it's good. So you know, it's good. It's like, it's good you know, argument. the thing about a pizza I like is that you can cut up into slices, so everybody eats. Yeah, okay. But I like figuratively that. and literally, I like so. a spicy, meaty pizza. That's cool too. That Fair is, enough. Oh, Yourself? I'm, I, I, I'm just again. I just go ham because oh, again, I like lovely, that all of us image. have gone quite minimal. Yeah, because that's what pizza was when it was made, and then we brought on the American version where it's like. Fucking some meatballs on, sling this <laughs> yeah, but it's totally and I'm like double in... decadence with a, two <laughs> yes. pizza, a pizza on top of a yeah. pizza. Yeah. I, I still like all that every now and then, but still, if I had one choice, it's just cheese yeah. and ham. That's that's the the pureness of it. God, I want pizza now. Yeah, but we haven't got any. It's all right, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> we can get some next time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, fine. Next time. Um, the, my question to to you, you both, and 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 with our guest in mind, uh, mm-hmm. because some listeners may be coming to us. Through your podcast sure. yeah, and yeah, your yeah. podcast you produce, or you know, uh, the, a man of audio uh, known for it, and, 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 and I'm fascinated because me and Dane have been doing this for uh, just under a year, yeah. uh, and I would say that the pleasure we take from it is, is pretty big, and, and and it's lovely to reach an audience as yeah. we do. But why? My question is, why are podcasts taking over the world? And I and I give you one stat that I found, which is uh, the UK audience for podcasts has nearly doubled in five years yeah six million a week six million people are listening think of how difficult it is to get people to watch te- television right now or buy records yeah six million each. i've got a stat that will will blow your mind there as well so joe rogan who he started me off doing my podcast i went on his podcast right i was doing a radio show on xfm at the time and i can't remember if it was on or or after he kind of said so why are you doing it for someone else why are you putting this time and effort in for someone else's yeah. ends and i was like all right so i started this podcast but joe rogan's podcast gets on average 100 million listens per episode and the estimation on his earnings per year is between 30 and 100 million dollars a year from off the doing podcast. off the podcast from doing a free podcast because he has sponsors and stuff like that yeah. but mm-hmm. it shows the scope and potential and it's it's a beautiful thing when i started doing mine around five years ago now 
there wasn't a big podcast scene in the UK, but I'd seen what was going on in America. Mm. And I knew that most of what I listened to was podcasts. And every year, year on year, people would say, the bubble's about to burst on podcasts. And for me personally, from sponsors and whatever else, every year I've improved how much I'm earning to mm. the point where mm. it's my main income. And mm. it's a beautiful thing because and I think the why podcast is, it's it's the freedom, yeah. all right? You haven't had to go and convince a dusty exec that this has uh, financial worth or, or, or any other way. It's like, no, oh, we've I mean, decided it is what it is and that's... I mean, me and Dane met partly through television, uh, yeah. working TV. Yeah. And I mean, the process of me and Dane getting a TV show away, yeah. as much as we will endeavour to do so, because yeah. it's a beautiful thing if you can. Completely. And we're lucky to be able to even reach the doors of the channel. man, yeah. However, we were trying to get people to accept what we do on this, which, like, you know, the, the comparisons between the episodes we do, mm, yeah. it's like... It's just so different every time. It's that freedom is is the beauty. I've I've had people kind of assume that the podcast is a, st- a stepping stone for other things, but <laughs> I've been offered stuff on back with X, back like with the BBC and all sorts right. of other things, but I couldn't go to any of them now because I've had this freedom. And yeah. if if you indulge me, I've got kind of a story that I think encapsulates that. So a few years back, I had a young lady called Mira on the podcast, or that was the name that we gave to give to allow her her anonymity. And the podcast had come about through um, Comic Relief. Um, and that set it up. And it was with a charity called Safe Housing for Women. And it's, yeah, it's, is, is, is what it sounds. And Mira was brought to this country in sex trafficking. Um, and I said before the podcast, I said to her, look, you can go into as much or as little detail as you want. I, had, I did a refugee special a while before uh, with a young lady called Ramel. And, Similar there, I was like, I'm not into this kind of notion of almost grief porn, of, of wanting to get as dark and heavy. It's like, yeah. as much as you want to go into, we can. As much as, as vague as you want to be. That Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. That's absolutely fine. But Mirror in this instance said, look, I've only just come to the realization that I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. So I'm going to be open about this. And... It's a tough listen. She was in tears. I was in tears. Pretty sure anyone who's listened would be in tears. Um, But again, it was like, it was that thing of why would we censor the victim, which is what happens a lot in in radio and TV and stuff like that. It's like, you can't talk about that. Um, So I recorded it. I made sure Mira was okay with everything that went in it. And then I released it. And what I saw was comic relief decide to not push it and not um, be kind of actively involved or behind it. And what I realised was because it was such a jarring story that she told and truthful story that she told, and it made me realise that her story couldn't be told the way she wanted to tell it on ITV, on the BBC, on any of these things. And again, Mm. this isn't hating on Comic Relief. I love what those things do. the, The reach they have and all these kind of things. But that story couldn't have existed anywhere else without mm. podcasts and the fact that I got to tell that story. And that podcast ended up getting nominated for a, a humanitarian award. I had to wow. go to the It's still available now. It's, it's available we'll, now still. We'll be linking yeah. to it. Um, and stuff like that. It really made me go, all right, this this is the value of this. P- 
previous to that, I'd had an episode with Killer Mike where he just blew my mind with the stuff he'd saying. <laughs> and I was like, wow, it felt valuable then, but there made me realise different this level. wouldn't exist anywhere this wouldn't exist otherwise and we would censor it and yeah. again to kind of uh, as i'd mentioned xfm like when i was doing my um, my hip-hop and spoken word sh- show there i built up to i'd said for when i accepted the show i wanted to play a song by a rapper called angel hayes um and it was a rewrite of 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 clearing out out my closet by eminem and it was her talking frankly and openly about the abuse that she received as a child um and it's a, again it's a hard listen but my point to xfm was look she's choosing to tell the story so she has and it's a true story so if we say you can't play that on the radio that's saying you shouldn't talk about this kind of thing which yeah. is what has been the problem with rape and all these other things and yeah. the the uh, abuse of women for years is or oh, you shouldn't you, that's not really table talk you mm-hmm. shouldn't talk it's like no it's oh, and and like that the girls are encouraged to keep a diary and don't mm. l- l- yeah. l- let anyone ever see it because yeah. that's where you write all your all your dark things and then, then you present this this figure and to their their credit they allowed me to play it I, you know i gave some warnings at the start that it's it's there's some triggering content and language and it meant the world because again it was like it was saying yeah it, it, these things happened the victim isn't the mm. one that's in the wrong therefore you should be allowed to talk about that, and, and you and, should. Yeah, and, that, and that's and I guess that's from a, from a creative and artistic perspective, that's why I think podcasts are prevailing because yeah. they allow for that consciousness that people are craving so much. And I guess we're much more of a voyeuristic uh, audience nowadays. So it's and, very and one. It's, or, it's very your yeah, choice to watch something. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, so much more, and we know, and we're, we're just so much te- more technologically aware of how media works. So we want a lot more transparency. So it's, everyone wants to know what happens when the smoke and the camera disappears. So as so far as like listening to guests and listening to their journey. We want that with a lot more detail. Yeah, I think industrially podcasts are prevailing because they have uh, sat in between, uh, I guess, radio playlists and uh, streaming playlists and uh, radio presenters. In that, yeah. like, you have like ten songs on mainstream radio that get rotated amongst all of those stations. Yeah, and then you have obviously the radio presenters that uh, try and I guess imprint some part of personality between their sponsors and music. Then obviously now we have the prevalence of uh, streaming platforms, mm. so which means you can listen to your music in an order you want, but doesn't necessarily means because we're used to having that radio personality that goes with your music. Sometimes just listening to like iTunes or Spotify for ages doesn't necessarily work the same. You want like mm. a, a personality between that, whether they yeah. are being critical, they're breaking it up, or giving you some it's the background feeling of interaction. It. Yeah, the feeling it? of interaction. So podcasts kind of have yeah they've found their market position between all of those other oral mediums. And it has, it has that interaction whereby you're hearing not just like, you know, uh, creativity and art, you're also hearing discourse. And yeah, yeah. Well, I think that discourse, <clears throat> in my opinion, is becoming, you know, you talk about Rogan is yeah. just one, we could do a list. Yeah. You know, you could, and equally, you could name some big brands yeah. whose discourse is totally feels really, uh, even the New York Times. I don't know if you ever listened to The Daily right, with no. Michael Barbaro, but like, it, for a, for a very mainstream thing like the New York Times, yeah. it's it's pretty amazing what they get away with doing it's every great, day. It's yeah. really you know across every day of the year, pretty much. Yeah. But I think it's that sense that that the agenda of the planet right now is so lost. It's like so <laughs> so far gone, like in terms of what the civilization is meaning right now. Yeah, particularly when you you know what's the number one thing to do? Oh, what's fucking X Factor? Yeah. Well, or, you know, or, or, or just watch reruns of Friends. That will tell you what to do with your life. You know, like there's, no, there's such a lack of agenda being set that yeah. actually it feels like podcasting, weirdly, because it's such a personal thing to decide to listen to something, has begun to set a different agenda. And yeah. and, and, and the decision is key there. It's, it's destination, a, a listening. And it's mm. why there's been far less contra- controversy over over things that are said or things that are expressed on podcasts because mm. most of the people who are listening are people who are open-minded enough to understand the situation, the yeah. context. Whereas on TV, if someone's just flicked the channel and they stumble upon, mm. or radio, they stumble upon a Russell Brand and, and Jonathan Ross cr- crank calling mm. um, an old actor, then there's outrage because it's yeah. taken out of context. Whereas in the context of things... and. It, 
I think Richard Herring was saying it. He was saying the reason his podcast, he's, he's never got in trouble for anything is because people are too lazy these days to, to go and listen to a 90 minute conversation to see if he says nothing bad. Yeah. Yeah. You're listening because you want to listen to it. So that's a really important part of mm. it, I think. I think it, it means I've had things on my podcast that could be big n- news headlines, but I've not chosen to then push those snippets right. to the press or anything. Yeah. Therefore, they've just been what they are. And certain ones, like like when I had Russell Brand on, he spoke on my podcast in detail about he was r- wrong about the t- 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 telling people not to vote. Months and months later, that became a big news story that Russell Brand back is backtracking. It's like right. he said that months ago, man. Yeah, and when actually. it was when there was time to have it mm. have an impact, but yeah, well, I hope that one. I hope that this podcast because we kind of frame everything by a question. Even yeah, though the questions go off in every yeah. direction. When we kind of promote stuff online and we gradually gather up an audience, yeah. you kind of have a way of going. Well, if if that isn't you know like. I mean, when we talked about Kanye with someone, yeah. it's like I can see quite happily that not everyone's going to want to listen to someone, yeah. you know, rip into Kanye as we did pretty much for the twenty minutes or yeah, so. Yeah, well, I mean, we did. We really but, didn't rip into him. It's just, it, it's it, it was a critique had, of, so. of of the persona of that yeah. guy, which might not be for everyone. But you know what? Literally, stick around another fifteen minutes and you'll get something yeah. kind of totally different. And that's what I think podcasting can just allow for is that you know variety. And your decision is to. It's your decision to what you listen to. Yeah, right? and you get to know yeah. these people as well, right? Well, this is exactly right. It, yeah. And that's you, why you, it's comfortable. Like yeah. I'll listen to Rogan and Brendan Sharp talk about cars I'm not interested in for twenty <laughs> minutes to get to them talking about MMA or whatever else right. I am interested in because I like those guys and I like the way they interact. It's similar on I do my drunk casts every f- f- few months, and I've had loads of people on that say. I've got into mixed martial arts because at some point in our drunk cast, we always end up talking about mixed martial arts. <laughs> it's like, I didn't know anything about it, but nice. I'm invested in the conversation now. So I'll ride, I'll ride that out. And some, and you've got the choice to skip too. Mm, like, yeah. I've no issue with that. It's not going to be for everyone, but yeah. yeah. I think, and I think another big part of the law of podcasts, especially the demographic that are more engaged with podcasts, I feel is a slightly older uh, millennial to extennial. And mm. I think a big part of it is the fact that the aesthetic of social media allows people to kind of uh, have or maintain adolescence in that like place like Instagram and stuff like that is like, it's very much more based on aesthetic. So in the same way in high school or secondary school, you might like somebody because they're attractive and there doesn't, doesn't need to be any context to that beauty. It's just that they're good looking. So they're the popular person in school. That person's got a nice car or a nice jacket. And you look at some of the Instagram nowadays, then it's the same thing whereby we are focused on these aesthetics and we don't really know the story behind them, but that is a, uh, an aspirational image that people want to have. Yeah. And what you find when you're focusing on the superficial then you have like you know the comment stuff you know oh, i don't think it's so cool that jacket you're a hater and it's that kind of you know adolescent conversation you'd have yeah, where, you, yeah. where your identity is uh and your esteem is based on your possessions because that's what you have because you're a teenager mm-hmm. whereas with podcasts it's like you're scratching the surface whereby you may have a discussion with somebody that you weren't really particularly that partial to but now you're able to have them you know kind of give you that first person perspective on their journey you're like you know now i've heard listen to this person and seen the makings of who they are and how they've got that complex or whoever they are it kind of makes more sense because like i said it's podcast is just social media with context i think Mm. yeah it gives you a chance to understand them a bit deeper and to learn a bit more and that may strengthen your dislike of them yeah but that's enjoyable too. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? That's exactly. Yeah. Too, to so go, at least, at least I you can say, so. I thought about it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You can confirm, confirm your suspicions. So, it, but it, what it allows for is the discourse rather than having to draw conclusions from, you know, pictures and yeah. images, which can a, be doctored surface, and, yeah, yeah. And on, on the surface. Mm. So I think that's why they kind of picked up. And, but I just think, I just think it's because I feel like, yeah, there's just a part of people that are just craving consciousness and people just want to return to a point where people have a long discussion of ideas instead of having themselves, the uh, the new state of democracy on social media, where it's a lot of rabble rousing and trending and, well, and, and TV, and, TV. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's like I I often think, and I know you've done a fair bit of telly, Dame, where you turn up on talk about something. You know, you've turned up on some talk shows recently, and, yeah, and uh, and it's good, man. Like you know, you're putting your opinion across. But I can know, <laughs> I can I know from working in telly how many people are around you, how many how tight you're feeling that you're having to get the thing in. There are boundaries on what you can and can't say. Yeah. Yeah. And 
you know, when people come to this podcast and they found you, and I'm would be interested. Some listeners will have found you because of the comedy. Some people would have just started listening to a podcast. Some, yeah. You know, what I mean, it's. It, I think that's fascinating that, like, literally, you get a pure version. I, that's what I always feel. Anyway, when people come on this show, and yeah, no, we don't say it's not the same confines. So with the radio, you know, you're what nine minutes or maybe three songs, then yeah. some words, and then a break. Whereas, like podcasts, again, like box sets, now provide a more breadth for you to tell a whole yeah. story. Yeah, and that's like, and that's why you know you're seeing box sets and that and you know that format of streaming shows are now beginning to. I would argue, you know, are considered in the same uh level of esteem as like films are now mm. oh definitely yeah. even even more so in some cases whereby you'll see you know sandra bullock is you know something like bird box or yeah you know even uh someone like sean bean doing like game of thrones and probably mm. having a lot more recognition for that than maybe some previous film appearances yeah completely because they get to show their range and stuff as well and i just think mm. it's because you know we just the palette uh the, because the availability of information has increased so the palette for it has increased as well so that's mm. why I, I definitely, I definitely don't well. think the podcast bubble is going to burst. No, no, that's no, for sure. no, 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 no. It's going to keep soon. getting, yeah, keep getting bigger. Well, that was my, that was my question anyway. It's great. It's a good question. It's, it's, we've had happiness and podcasts. That's, that's pretty good. It's good. What about you, Dane? Um, what are you is, thinking? I think you may have answered, started beginning to answer the question already when we spoke earlier, but um, it's because I, because I wasn't aware of what Scribus Pip was before I, you'd mentioned the poem. Yeah. Because obviously a pip is like another word for a seed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my question was going to be, uh, if there was a Scroobius pip, what does the Scroobius fruit taste like? Right, yeah, yeah, I get yeah. Which, can, you, can, which you can answer <laughs> metaphorically or figuratively or literally however you want. Yeah. Does it, so even the fruit itself doesn't even have to be a fruit, so to speak. So, Well, completely. I, I've, I've got a, a lyric in one of my songs that touches upon the, the idea that, that of the importance of planting seeds even if you're not going to get to sit under the tree yep. is 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 where the lyric kind of goes and we 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 shy away from that in society so much these Massively. days if there should be an immediate result and benefit to me yeah but the point should be and billy bragg's a, gr- a great example of this known as one of the, the most impactful political songwriters although he, he writes a lot about love and other things he went and saw Joe Strummer speak at a march once and it made him go I want to do that Hmm. now Joe Strummer in that time did not know the seed he was planting and what it would turn into Mm -hmm. and how much it could change it's that belief to me that like I've written a a fair few political songs I don't think the solution to our problems is a song or a poem I don't think that's going to solve anything but it might be the seed in the people that will exactly. then go on to change this mm. and will then go on uh, to make that difference. So, so, uh, so what the Strubius f- 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 fruit would taste like is, I mean, I'd hope it's something that I, I never get to find out and I'm yeah. comfortable with that. Do you mm. know what I mean? And I'm okay with that I idea think, that, I really that I get to go, I'll, I'll walk away from this and not know how it ends, but hopefully there'll be something and whether it be a podcast, a song, a spoken word piece, mm. a, a, a moment in a film any of these things, something, it's going to tr- trigger things along the way. And that's, I mean, it, that's a beautiful it, thing. I mean, you know? the song that broke you, that, that, that you know, yeah. we, we, I, I still find moments in my, I don't know if Dane agrees, like find moments in my life where I want to hear that song oh, because, it's, because it's lyrics kind yeah. of like, I'd be interested to see what our listeners think of this as well. Like yeah. that, those, those lyrics like trigger a bit of me yeah. that needs to get fired up a little bit. Or it was like, an interesting one at the time, man, because at that point, there wasn't like people weren't, and it, again, it goes to the thing that we were saying about chasing the things that are your passion, mm. ra- rather than what we're told we should be going for or whatever mm. else. Because no one was clambering for a spoken word song that's got no chorus, yeah. that's over an electronic <laughs> beat, yeah. and it got Radio One Daytime Airplay. And it's an of, old school beat as well. It's got up, a real, yeah, a, yeah, a proper kind of glitchy, yeah. Kind spectrum spectrum type yeah yeah, yeah. electronic yeah. gaming type beat and that i mean it's got that the just a band kind of r- refrain in there but other than that there's nothing that would come close to being a chorus it's a three minute rant essentially yeah. yet it had that appeal and kind of opened that up i so. found it like totally amazing when it you know i still do but when it came out and it, and it kind of opened up in my head because i think 
rappers or you know spoken word yeah. p- music yeah. performance whatever you want to term it whatever else yeah is uh, it was an American such an American thing yeah and only very rarely in my youth did I I, w- I was out in Ilford yeah isolated yeah, yeah. in you know, there was some garage around but it wasn't what you would it yeah, wasn't yeah, you yeah. what you would do and and you know uh, I mean like Plan B interestingly yeah. is another guy who when I, when he came out some of the his his craftsmanship with what yeah. he said. In he some of these, weave early, a story, he may definitely. still well be, do it. But yeah, I just haven't yeah. heard him do yeah, it for yeah, a long yeah, time, yeah, like he yeah. did at the start, where he was so dexterous with what he was saying. It and it, it totally inspired me to try and not write lyrics, but write the scripts or anything I was working on and the, thinking about words in that yeah. way. I think I think this is an interesting thing to pose, given the room. Um, but I think there's an ease, and I've found it in my hip hop kind of education. There's an ease in accepting an art form from a familiar face. And mm. I said it's interesting that yeah. you cited some yeah. me and another white rapper yeah. that were ones that you felt that connection with. And I know that a lot of my early steps into rap were the Beastie Boys and mm. then Sage Francis. And it was that familiar white face I then learned that Karras won and Saul Williams and Gil Scott Heron and all these people great names were, 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 some great names. Yeah, were telling, were weaving these amazing stories, but potentially my young mind wasn't, was subconsciously not as open to them because I was a white kid in Essex. I no, felt yeah. I couldn't relate to taught, a black taught, face from you're America. you're also taught to perceive things on a superficial level. So I'm going yeah. back to social media is that like people have this perpetual adolescence whereby, mm. you know, and, and that's arguably why you see someone like the Kardashians because they appear on the surface to be racially ambiv- yeah. ambiguous yeah, in their appearance. So it's like poisonous everyone, seeds. Yeah, so, but poisonous everyone, so everyone, seeds. everyone sees a, exactly. Everyone sees a part of themselves in the Kardashians. In that, yeah, like, that's you know, a beautiful point. Yeah. The broad appeal. Is there, so is there so is there so broad in that? Like you know, the aesthetic alone covers so many things, and it's like you know they have an affinity with like a black culture because they're of their power, their partners and they're yeah. the white mm. culture because you know it's the hyper femininity and uh you know almost this quasi even, kind of damsel even just kind of, straight aesthetically they've got yeah. the curves that were traditionally appealing of the black yeah, culture black the, the, person, the slender faces that are traditionally appealing of, of the yeah. white culture and then, but, but also so being like perfect but also having that olive skin of someone from like the middle east but also yeah. being completely hairless like an asian woman as well yeah. and and be and yeah so it's it's um yeah, so it's a it's, fascinating one. I've I've never thought of that, but they are the ultimate kind of package for everyone. Yeah. It, it works for us all. Yeah, it's, um, a, it's, yeah. It's, it's 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 feminine, but then at the same time, you dominate in in commerce. So yeah. there's that, that masculine aspect of capitalism yeah. there as well. So but you it's know. that. I mean, if you're you know, because this, this whole thing kind of links deeply to the, you reap what you sow, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah, sure. I can't, I can't. I can't really tolerate what they're what they're what they're sowing personally. Though, the I think it's but I think it's a really interesting a one for me because I think they they put forward a dangerous message for or it, as soon as anything becomes so big, it becomes dangerous because it's implying that this is the only goal. But I don't think there should be anything wrong with because again, the fact is that they are actually promoting a curvier female figure than was the the goal when i was growing up i grew up in the supermodel era which was incredibly unhealthy yeah Yeah, you know it was an unhealthy looking image and unrealistic goals and again it's arguably it's still completely unrealistic because of photoshop and all these other things but there is an argument there's 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 as said it's promoting of a curvier and potentially less starving yourself aesthetic so i can see some positives there the the thing that, that gets me is when people a furious at anyone that wants to be like the Kardashians mm-hmm. and assuming that they've just been brainwashed. There, there should be some that want to be like that. Mm. Maybe there is the, the fact that it becomes so big is that yeah. there is the brainwashing element and the danger of that. But, but even it shouldn't be, be that no one should but want even, to be like that. Even them, they're arguably brainwashed to an extent as well. Yeah. Because well, we all know if they, if they, if they, they, they appeared... If they appeared... If they appeared frumpy and, and dowdy and, you know, Kim wanted to give, you know, her commentary on the last chapter of a book she read by Jermaine Greer no one's gonna listen yeah no no, no one's really gonna care and also and, and for me in, in that particular instance the, all the Kardashians is to represent the zeitgeist of from like the early noughties or the, the turn of the century where we were able to freebase celebrity from talent yeah because yeah. you think about the size of that brood they're like modern day Jacksons which I know sounds crazy but I'm saying if you think about the Jacksons being a you know a family of a very large family, yeah, um, who again obviously issues with identity and the whole thing with that racial ambivalence in a place which is really? so uh, built on racial tensions like America, mm-hmm. like 
the Jacksons represented an immense amount of talent from the Du Bois to Janet to, you know, even Latoya to an extent being the mm. wayward one. And you look at the Kardashians in a time now where we no longer have to rely on someone, the merit of someone's talent to realize celebrity. Yeah. It's no different. Again, it's, it's still a weirdly secretive family with like, you know, uh, some issues regarding identity and uh, they're also racially ambivalent. And then instead of, you know, and Rob Kardashian's like the new Latoya, who's like mm. the more wayward one who doesn't seem to have the same commercial ability as the rest of the, yeah. as the rest of the girls and struggles a lot more. So I, I feel they just, you know, in the same way you can look at the current president, you kind of represent the zeitgeist of today where you said, you know, we're talking about like sowing seeds. Like I said, people's disposition nowadays is that it's not, we're not even able to perceive like, you know, two generations ahead. Yeah. So, we're, so for example, like we're like, it's, oh, we're going to charge people 5p for plastic bags now. It's like, we're past the point now where we're still trying to, trying to tax vices like we're mm. past that point. The issue is not like taxing on the vices. The point is this vice of consumption is going to eventually destroy us if it's not addressed. Yeah. And you can, and if you look at that on long bipartisan political lines, it's like for people, if the left, if the left are like, yeah, well, we don't, we don't see color or we don't want to entertain bigots and stuff like that. Well, it's like we're at this stage now where it's too big to ignore. So mm, obscuring yeah. people from this conversation isn't going to work. And if that requires a certain level of caustic um, socialism where someone can stand up and be like, no, you're fucking wrong. This is what, this, how you think is destructive to the world rather than just ignoring and blocking and shunning people and trying to kind of vie for political correctness. Someone needs to tackle what is, you know, bigoted or fascist rhetoric now. And by the same token, it's like, if you are someone who is Republican or conservative, it's like, well, how conservative can you be if by, just by, etymology to conserve would mean you take care of stuff so when you're pro-life and you're you see people from with the same political disposition hunting endangered species to extinction yeah. or using resources to the point where they're not going to be there anymore it's like even if you really realize the wish of 10 percent or 40 percent of the american population or 30 percent of or 40 percent here of black people don't exist or 30 percent don't exist in the states that's fine what i won't do is slow down the speed at which you are consuming resources and damaging mm. the environment yeah yeah and you know, however you feel about other races or how you feel about like Mexican stuff like that, that doesn't stop the fact that, you know, a bit of variability of fresh water is dwindling, global food shortages are an issue and, yeah. you know, ecological migrants are going to become a problem. So for me, it's like, you know, so far as sowing seeds, I think that's a big part of it and it's, it's all linked towards it, towards this uh, individualist and adolescent yeah, I was about brain to say, individualism yeah. is, is, is responsible for that. It's, it's been mm. a problem for some, for me, it's been as far back as like fascism. We're talking about sowing seeds yeah. For for people to criticize millennials and wonder how we got to this position now, like we're talking about sowing seeds, it goes far back as, you know, Thatcher times where, you know, to be a cleaner was seen as something to look down upon. To be a bin man was something to look down upon. And I even remember doing comedy and hearing people being like, Oh, now you see people don't call themselves cleaners, they're hygiene technicians, or you're not a secretary anymore, an administrative assistant, and it's like, why are people trying to jazz up their names? It's because you created a society of industrial hierarchy where we met some people feel that some jobs and certain aspects of industry are more important than others. And so everyone aspired to be in, you know, mm. uh, like service industry and working in offices because that was the thing that seemed to be done. But then it's like, while we've all been aspiring to that from the eighties. And so in that seed of like aspiration represents being able to work in a city and have a nice phone and stuff. Well, then you've all turned your back and ridiculed and ignored stuff like sanitation and agriculture. Yeah. So and it's, it's, it's a completely upside down uh, hierarchy as, as well. I had a guy called, a Rutger Bregman on my podcast who wrote a book called Utopia for Realists, which is amazing. And he's, he cited some great examples there on how we put the biggest value on the most pointless jobs yes. in society now and the lowest value on the most important. And the example he gave was amazing that in New York in the 70s, um, the bin men went on strike. And within three days, there was rats. There was all sorts of terrible stuff. And the, the, the council of New York or whatever it is, just gave into all demands within th three days and the bin men be be became known as the fourth or fifth emergency service of, yeah. of New York City and they're, mm. they're revered, they've got amazing pay still now, you can earn a lot, they've got amazing health benefits, all these kind of things. At that same time in Ireland, or I, th I think it was about four or five years later in Ireland, the, the bankers went on strike mm -hmm. and they remained on strike for I think it was three or four months <laughs> And then yeah, they just yeah. came back because yeah. people just got on with it because people didn't, people went, yeah. all right, Fuck they, they yeah. arranged barter systems, they arranged personal kind of tallying systems and stuff like that. 
and they just came back and had to had to drop all their demands and it shows perfectly that that hierarchy that the people that we would look down upon yeah. in the Thatcher kind of era of bin men or whatever are the people that without them we would be screwed whereas the mm. people who we go well we can't up taxes or all the stuff kind of in Brexit and things like that is oh we don't want the bankers to leave or after the big uh, sorry after the financial crunch when yeah, yeah. when everything fell apart um, mm. and we were like oh we can't but we can't put too many p- penalties on the banks because they'll all leave and go somewhere else. Yeah. It's like, why are we putting this crazy value th- on these people who are doing a fictional job? There's not a physical <laughs> yeah. product well, that they're even, making. And even taken from that, like, by the argument is people being like, oh, so are we, are we supposed to become a socialist society where people could get stuff for nothing? It's like, okay, th- not necessarily. But by the same, t- even if you are someone that believes in a free market, then you're aware that the mechanics of being too big to fail, that's not how a free market works. Mm-hmm. And also, like said, going back to sowing seeds, how do we go from a you know a credit crunch in two thousand eight to within three years of the credit crunch, bankers are reporting bonuses again? Mm. Now, if we are the people that bailed out the banks, and this is for, and this is for me, for anyone who has kind of conservative or centrist leanings listening, like aside from socialism and stuff and any left wing rhetoric, you are an investor in the banks because the banker bailout came from mm-hmm. tax base. Yeah, that would, by business terms, and if you believe in a free market, that makes you a majority shareholder. Therefore, if banks are now beginning to realize a profit again you should be receiving a preferential dividend yeah. because you're the major shareholder. 100%. So if you, so, aside from the politics and the, the campaign or socialism, as an investor, you should be receiving a bonus before any banker is. Yeah. And so as a from, capitalist. Yeah, because you as, be, yeah. as a capitalist, you should be asking for your bonus mm. before the banker gets it because yeah. your tax base bailed them out. And this is the thing. So it goes back to, this, yeah, this issue of sowing seeds is that like, I feel like there's very few people now who are able to even just begin to empathise with someone because they're maybe two generations younger than they are, or even people being older than they are. Like even even our lack of reverence for older people. Mm. Like where did that come from? There was a time where you know respecting your elders was just you know. Yeah. Well, when you were talking about the given. bin men, I, I was thinking about how one of the ways that I found in my life to really get a good steer on someone is to see them be served in a restaurant or yep. a shop and to see how they deal with that yeah, person. Man. And I tell you what, my <laughs> my wife. Tolerant woman, as we said, yeah. bless her. The way I end up chatting to people in restaurants, I'm not saying I'm some great guy, but generally I always think I kind of want to make this interaction for this person. I, I don't know if I, I'd enjoy this job. So I'm going to try and make this interaction fun. And yeah. I'd say eight out of 10 times I'd succeed. The other two times I probably annoyed them yeah. by being a bit of a dick, but I was trying to make them, you know, I, make that interaction good for them. And, and yet sometimes you'll see people and you're like, fuck you yeah. <laughs> like this person's trying to live a life here like why are you shitting on but him? even that the fact that you we have a society where like you know easily one of the most important things in your life is your ability to is nutrition and being able to eat mm. so why you would take a, a, a position of higher status with someone that's preparing your food yeah boggles the mind it's crazy that's uh, mcdonald's because i remember the whole thing when you, in america people's like yeah but you're going to be pumping gas one day you're going to be yeah. asking somebody if they want fries or that one day yeah, but then by that token, well, McDonald's is a blue chip company that is one of the biggest multinationals on the planet and uh, people go to war over gas. Yeah. So were you removing... <laughs> important yeah, thing, there's, yeah. There's, there's so important things. So were you removing like the esteem or any kind of respect from that? It's like, you know, do you really want to be insulting someone who's preparing mm. your food? As important as that is, is that, it, you know, potentially they have... The, their power, arguably, is equivalent to that of a doctor. Yeah. Yeah. When you, when you think about it. Yeah. But so is so again, what's so when we, we look at where we are now, what seeds have we sown to get us into this position? Yeah. It's, it's, it's I, a phrase I use a lot with the way people interact online at times is they interact as if they've never been punched in the face. And again, it's very simple. Oh my God. Um, yes. And, and it's, it's, it's a really yeah. important thing to learn at times. But it's equally, pri- punch privilege. Equally, is. equally, I've worked. In retail, I've worked in the food service industry, I've mm. worked in factories. So that's why I've experienced that. And, you know, you, you, the fact is, you shouldn't have to have been punched in the face to learn. Mm. You shouldn't have to no. have worked in this, work there to learn this. But there's a lot of people who it would help if they had. Well, it's been quite the episode. There we go. I mean, oh, God, thank you. Thank for you very much. much. Thank you it's for finally lovely. coming We're through, man. It's it. a pleasure. And, Love uh, it. Please uh, let uh, listeners know where else they can find you, you and your works. Yeah, so I've got stuff. Obviously, if you just put Scroobius Pip into iTunes, Spotify or YouTube or whatever, you can, can go and have a look at music. But my podcast is out every Wednesday. It's called Distraction Pieces. So it's on all those places as well. And I'm on all the social medias and apps. Yeah, we'll tell Scroobius people Pip, about Easy you. enough to find. Yeah. Thank you again. It's been like 
it's gone deep. It's, it's, it's um, gone deep. Uh, yeah. Dane's just off thinking. Yeah, man, I you should like have chosen it. pizzas. <laughs> no, I, like, I liked it. Yeah, yeah. You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste. For more from Dane, go to danebaptiste.co.uk or follow him at DaneBapTweets. Our guest was Scroobius Pip. You can follow him on Twitter at Scroobius Pip, yo. The show was produced by me, Howard Cohen. You can follow me at the Howard Cohen. The show was mixed. The music was by Faye Saki. Thanks to Polly and Gelly. Thanks for listening. And remember, question everything. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,